When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We can fall into the trap of believing that creativity is a workhorse. It is a muscle. It is something that can be strong and can lift heavy things, but you cannot drive it like a workhorse. You cannot make it work. It's far more like, at the risk of sounding precious, which I really did not my intention, it's almost more like a butterfly. The harder you squeeze a butterfly is not the better the butterfly functions, right? Like <laughs> you can't make a butterfly fly faster by like just squeezing it or pushing it or kicking it. This is Finding the Through Line, the show that gives you inside access to honest conversations about the creative process. I'm Kate Hanley. I've been a professional writer for 20 years, writing my own books, writing books for clients, writing magazine articles, and podcast episodes for my podcast, How to Be a Better Person, which ran for four years. Despite the fact that I've been doing this for a while, I am still continually seeking ways to stay inspired and excited about the work that I'm doing. Finding the through line is my way of getting inside the minds of creative people I admire and finding out how they stay connected to themselves and their work. Thanks for being here today. I am so happy to have you and I am so happy to have today's guest. How do I tell you about Terry Trespicio in a way that accurately captures her? Here are the resume highlights. Terry is the author of the fabulously helpful and hopeful book, Unfollow Your Passion. How to Create a Life That Matters to You, which was named one of the best feel-good reads of the year by the Washington Post. Her book is based on her TEDx talk, which is called Stop Searching for Your Passion, and that has been viewed 8 million times. Terry opens that talk recounting the day she got fired from Martha Stewart's Whole Living magazine, which is where I was lucky enough to meet, work with, and become friends with her. Terry is the very first magazine editor I ever pitched. I was a baby freelance writer, and she was a baby editor, and we did a lot of growing up together. She went on to host a daily radio show on the Martha Stewart channel at Sirius Radio and became a frequent special guest star on Martha's TV show, where she interviewed Bill Clinton and demonstrated how to use a neti pot on air, though not at the same time. <laughs> Today, Terry is an in-demand speaker, a brand strategist, a writing teacher certified in the Gateless Method, a stand-up comedian, and always a writer whose work can soothe you, crack you up, and crack open possibilities in your mind all at once. She gives great gifts and has a gift of saying things you've never heard put quite that way before. If you can't tell, I love her. I love you, Terry Trespicio. I'm so glad to have you here. Oh, I'm so that was the best <laughs> introduction ever. Thank you. So I just feel like you know me really well. <laughs> We've known each other a long it's time. It's been 20 years. I mean, yeah. that's what happens. And what a privilege and how much fun. So fun. So how this works, so that you know, Terry, and so that our listeners know, is that I'm going to ask you questions that fall into three basic categories: practical matters, inner stuff, and what's coming up. So if you're listening to the free version of this podcast, which I completely applaud, 
Each section is going to come in its own short, easy-to-consume episode with a few ads thrown in to keep the lights on. And if you become a paid subscriber, you're going to get the full interview in one ad-free episode. To upgrade to paid, visit someplace. I haven't quite figured out where it is yet. I will add that in later. All right. So listen, I'm just going to dive right in. And I want to know what drew you to the work that you are doing now. I would say unemployment, but that's not totally true. <laughs> what drew, well, I mean, working for myself came about as a result of being laid off, but what has always drawn me to the work I do regardless, and it has taken many shapes and forms, if we're going to go like really distill it down, I think it's words. I have always loved words. I love learning new words. I love using words. Spelling was one of my favorite subjects because I get a new set of words every week. So I would say that if it involved words in some way, I wanted to be involved. I love that. Okay, so words drew you to your work, but what keeps you going? Because you've been doing this a while too. Well, it keeps me going. Like some people like Sudoku and crosswords. I don't like either of those things. I love using words to unlock truths, unlock secrets, unlock ideas. And in my work, you know, at turns as an editor or a copywriter or a creative director kind of thing. All of those things involved using language to be able to clarify meaning. And so anything I'm doing, it's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. And it's a puzzle whose pieces you make up as you go. And so to me, whether I'm working with someone on their branding, like if someone starts talking, don't start talking about your business over drinks. I will go right into business with you. And I will be like, what about this? What about that? Like I start wanting to puzzle it out. And when I want to write an email, because I have this email, you know, people who are kind enough to read my emails, I want to, what am I going to say? So I think part of it is I like, yes, I like the puzzle of it, but I also love discovery. And so if I'm bored, I'm probably not going to do it for long. I always want to feel like I'm discovering something new or making new connections. So that, in the broad sense, is what keeps me going with my work. I love it. So what about your current work reality happened more easily than you expected? I, like a lot of people, uh, thought you had to choose a track growing up. You would have to choose. Like, I remember being like staying up and I wondering, should I be an English major? Should I switch to communication? Should I switch back to English? Thinking that you get on a track and you stay there and that I might pick the wrong one. That was the fear. I wish I had known, and what I realized comes so easily, is that there are so many iterations of the work you want to do. There isn't just one company. There certainly is more than one. There's more than one role. There's more than one kind of job. I think what's come easily is, oh my gosh, when you know that you are good at one thing or like to do a thing, there are countless ways of applying it. And that's why I am forever looking up at new things, because I don't ever think you run out of opportunities or ideas if you keep looking. Well, what was more difficult than you expected? And how did you work with that difficulty? You mean career specifically, right? I just mean, yeah, like what you consider to be your work in this world. You're my work so, in the world. Yeah. I think when people say, that, oh, they want to work for themselves because then they're their own boss and they can kind of do what they want. Yeah, kind of. You are going to always be the worst boss you ever had because you will not let yourself off the hook. So I think that the hard part is that, and I don't even know that I would, it's not something I want to give up, but it's something I acknowledge, is that 
I am not ever apart from the work in some way. It's not that I don't take breaks, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but no one else is going to do it, and no one else will care as much as you do when it's your work. And so the hard thing is, it's kind of like, I don't have kids, but I'm going to say this anyway. I get very loose with my mothering metaphors. It's like a baby you can't put down. So you're forever kind of bringing around, at least kids eventually walk, right? Or they get around <laughs> on their own somehow. But this is the thing that I'll, I'll, I wouldn't change what I'm doing for the world, but I will find myself saying to my family, this is hard. Like I'm, I'm tired by it. I'm tired by it sometimes, which is why the tending to the creativity is so important. Right. And I want to ask you about tending to that creativity, but I'm just curious about this because every once in a while I find myself wondering like, should I just get a job? Like, what if I had a job and I had benefits? I don't entertain this very much because I've been working for myself for 20 years and I very much feel like it is the right path for me and just suits me in so many wonderful ways. But like when you're kind of having those moments of recognizing like, I got this baby and I can't put it down and this is hard. Where does your thought process go? There was one moment like five, maybe six years ago, when I was in the full throes of talking to a company about potentially working there. And I had like, it was an emotional, I was like, what am I going to do? Does this mean I've admitted that I can't do it on my own? Does this mean I'm going to go back? Like, and I hate all that. If anyone came to me with that mindset, I'd be like, this is crazy. Don't think that way. But I did consider it. And for whatever reason, it's so long ago, I don't even remember why. But I said to myself, you're going to maybe move in and out of roles. There might be times when you're employed and then you go out and then you're on your own again. And I, so I gave myself that forgiveness. I said, if you decide to do this, it better be worth it. And it doesn't mean that's it now. Like again, with that, that railway switching, like, oh, you have to be on this track now. I don't wish I worked for someone else because in the end, if someone cares more than I do, they may be more on my case about it. I want to be the one who cares the most because then I decide how much I care. (laughs) If someone else cares more than I'm in that seat, I don't like other people determining what I have to do and when and how I do it. And I think that that would be really hard for me now to deal with like the corporate thing. When I work with people in corporate, I see what they do and they something love it. There will always be corporations and people who want to work for them because there is a tremendous lift there that you plug into a spot. You don't have to create the spot. And so I know that that temptation's always there. I still wouldn't. I'm not looking, put it that way. Got it. You are willing to pay the cost to be the boss. (laughs) Yeah, I just feel like, I don't know. I just, I'm really proud of it. And I also, as long as I can do it, hey, if times are that tough and I cannot do this, then of course, you're lucky to find a great role. I don't poo-poo that at all. But I'm just like, Not looking right now. Got it. So what habits, practices, and attitudes help you tap into your creativity? We teach what we most need to learn, right? And so what I find that I'm forever yelling at other people do, I'm like, listen, take your own medicine, right? So what are the habits, the habits and attitudes that help me be more creative specifically, right? Mm -hmm. Well. I was thinking about this, like what's the great metaphor for it? I think we can fall into the trap of believing that creativity is a workhorse. 
it is a muscle. It is something that can be strong and can lift heavy things, but you cannot drive it like a workhorse. You cannot make it work. It's far more like, at the risk of sounding precious, which I really did not my intention, it's almost more like a butterfly. The harder you squeeze a butterfly is not the better the butterfly functions, right? Like (laughs) you can't make a butterfly fly faster by like just squeezing it or pushing it or kicking it. There's something where you must, and this has happened with time, with age, where I can say, you can't make yourself productive at three o'clock in the afternoon when you know that is not your best hour. You don't measure your ability or your creativity by the lowest point in your day, the lowest point in your week, the lowest point in your year. You know, when people go, oh, and I guess I'm not even this, it's like you can't. Because when you're at the height of it, which are these rare moments, right, in your day, in your week, where you actually feel in flow and you can really tap into it, that's not an on switch. And so I don't treat myself that way. I say, oh, like if I go, oh, I have two hours now at night and I could get this stuff done. If I'm not in a writing mode, I say, there's plenty else to do. Let's find something else to do that doesn't involve writing. I always look at where should I do my heaviest lift is when I'm the clearest, the most rested and alert. And as I've gotten older, that's been morning, which was never the case when I was younger. Mm. But I take care of those mornings and it's easy to get sucked into a million tasks when I am fresh and I have like maybe an hour and a half in the morning at two hours. I say, be very careful. Like, what are you doing right now? What can you do that will have the biggest impact? I mean, this isn't new, but I didn't always listen to myself this way. And so I'll say, you know you have to plan that thing and you know this is the moment to do it. So I try not to shy away from the heaviest lifting, which I think the creative work is and requires of us. The most pistons firing so that you can make connections with this and this and this. As you go on the day, you get more tired. You start to kind of tunnel in. You don't have the access. At least I don't. So what I do is I try to give myself space. I take breaks. One of the best things you can do for your creativity is stop and walk away from whatever you're working on. Lie down, go for a walk, literally take a nap. Naps are a huge part of what keep me uh, functioning more hours per day. So I make sure I get plenty of rest, plenty of protein, like all the things. I Mm -hmm. tend to my body the way a musician would attend to his or her bass equipment or the guitar. They treat these instruments, you know, they're like gold. I try to treat myself like that because I am that instrument. And if I don't take care of it, I cannot produce. Right. Do you have, so you're a morning person, you're like protecting the morning to do your heavy lift, your creative work. Do you have a morning routine? Do you just like wake up, sit down, get going? I have the same thing every morning. I get up, I brush my teeth, I feed the cats, I make bulletproof coffee. And I say that because there's a specific style. It's not just the brand because right now I'm not even using bulletproof coffee, but I do the whole thing with the coffee and the MCT oil and the protein powder and the butter. I have done it every morning for, I mean, I don't even know, maybe 10 years, mm-hmm. always with the Bulletproof coffee. And then I started eating a little bit more protein in the morning. So I'll have that. I take my vitamins. There's a million of them. And then I sit down with the rest of my coffee and I go, okay, now. I'm like, it's like, to me, I think of it as the curtains opening on the stage. This is it. Like, what are we doing? And I'm in a robe, 
you know what row, because we bought them together. <laughs> and so I'll sit there and I'll focus on that thing. And then when it's time to get up, like you can't just sit there and work all day. I've tried. It's diminishing returns. I get up, I go, okay, time to switch. I have to switch often to maintain that energy. Mm-hmm. I agree. I really thrive on that, on novelty, on variety, and uh, trying yeah, to do so one thing that way. One thing all day long is just just makes my eyes cross and roll back in my head a little bit. All right. Well, thank you for sharing the brass tacks of how you sit down and get your creative work done. Now you know, now we all know how Terry makes the magic happen from a practical standpoint. Stay tuned for the next Finding the Throughline episode where we'll plumb the depths of Terry's psyche for how she deals with things like the inner critic, attitudes about getting older, and how she has rewritten unhelpful ideas. Finding the Throughline airs one interview per week, broken up into three episodes that come out every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for free. Skip the ads and get each interview in one longer episode by becoming a paid subscriber at katehanley.substack.com. Even if you aren't ready to get out your wallet just yet, become a free subscriber at katehanley.substack.com and receive the full show notes with links to everything my guests and I cover. However you listen, thank you. Finding the Throughline is edited by Sound Advice Strategies. Connect with me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. Here's a little preview of what's to come in part two of this interview. Uh, there's so much worry. They're like a like bats let out of a cave. Like I just think my mind gets filled with those bats. Like blah, 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 blah. and I've learned to trust myself a little bit and say, okay, you're not going to do everything, and you're not going to do everything perfectly. Like, what's the main goal? Like shifting the goal to. Who are you helping? What is the impact of this thing? Rather than how good is it? I'm Kate Hanley, and this is Finding the Throughline. More to come on Wednesday.